0: to be uh, starting a new series, and it is ministering together. And uh, today we're going to be looking at, and and we're going to be in this same chapter. You know how I like to skip around. We're going to be in the same chapter for the next four weeks, and we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. You know, I am reminded that there are some names that Maybe some of you are not familiar with, some of you may be. I'm going to give you a pop quiz this morning and see how many of you know what these names have in common. Thomas McKean. George Reed. If you know, just yell it out what makes all these names in common. Charles Carroll. Nobody yet? Lyman Hall. Ooh, I just heard some people go, ooh which is the county we're in, is named Hall County after this particular individual. So obviously, they must be pretty famous for something, right? How about Samuel Chase? Benjamin Franklin. Oh, y'all have heard of Benjamin Franklin, right? <laughs> but what do these names have in common? Anybody yet? Signers of the Declaration, Signers of, the Declaration of Independence, Yes. On their epitaph, you could write, These men signed their death warrant for our freedom, to be free from a monarchy and from being taxed without representation. They have something that we can remember them by. But how many people throughout history have come and gone, and their name is forgotten, their impact has faded, And they're no longer even a thought. You know, when I get together with my family, I don't even know who my great-great-grandfather, I don't know what his name was. I know my great-grandfather was one of the meanest, hatefulest men that ever walked the face of the earth, apparently. They buried him, and they think he was still alive. He was so mean, they didn't want to take a chance. No, really, really. The man died. They were shaving him, putting him in his pine box, and when they were shaving him, getting him ready for the funeral and the viewing, he started bleeding. They went ahead and closed the casket, nailed it shut, and buried him because they didn't want to take a chance. He was still alive. It's a true story. That's the stock I come from. (laughs) I don't even know his name. Don't know where he's buried. But can you imagine being remembered like that? And imagine these men that signed the Declaration of Independence who have counties named after them. There are people who come and there are people who go. And everyone in this room here today, you have a name. If you've got a name today, now I'm just going to make an assumption and I'm going to take a survey. If you have a name today, would you just raise your hand up? Say, i got a name. Looks like most of you who will participate... (laughs) We'll just say, I have a name. That name carries with it some type of reputation. People can say things and they can uh, talk about things when it comes to your name. I want us to look at some names in the Bible that we've often just glanced over. Haven't given it much thought because, I mean, these guys, they're not Paul. They're not Peter. They're not Jesus Jesus. I mean, those are the names you pay attention to, right? Because they were impactors in the Bible, in Scripture, in the story of the church. But what about these guys that we can't even pronounce their name? I want us to really, for the next four weeks, we're going to look at some of these guys, these men, who are mentioned just briefly. But can I tell you something? They may not be like a Paul or a Peter, but they got their name in the book. So I believe every word in this Bible is inspired by God and it being inspired is important for us to look at and to really pay attention to. And if their name is in the Bible, let's not skip it. Let's take a little closer look. So I'm going to teach you a little bit today and we're going to need to practice. And those of you who are at home and here in this room, you can just practice this out loud because this is a really interesting name. Tychicus. All right, let's practice. Tychicus. That's pretty good. Let's try it again. Tychicus. Tychicus. kick, kick Tychicus. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're cranking a car or something. I love this name because it just rolls off your tongue, but when we read what Paul wrote about this particular gentleman by the name of Tychicus, I think you're going to be impressed by a man who you may have never heard of but who made a difference. So Tychicus, say that with me. Tychicus. Tychicus. As we look at this guy, we have to wonder how is it that someone like this can get mentioned in the Bible? And so many did not. Because I am certain that there are A lot of good Christians, a lot of people during this time that did a lot of good things. But why is Tychicus here and not them? Let's begin reading in verse 7 of chapter 4 of Colossians. Colossians is in the New Testament. It's toward the end of Paul's letters. Uh, If you get to James or Hebrews or Revelation, you've gone too far, take a left. And get to Colossians chapter 4. This is a great letter written by Paul. He is really writing to a church in Colossae. And he is really bringing down the truth that Jesus isn't one among many. He is the only one. He isn't to be just one of the options. He is the, the only option. He is not just, just uh, preeminent, but he is prominent above everybody else. He is the one. So this is a great letter to read during your own time. But we're going to begin looking at chapter 4, verse 7. As to all my affairs, say it with me, Tychicus, very good. Y'all did pretty good. Our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Father, I pray today that we will be able to glean from your word something that will give us hope, that will give us strength, that will cause us to rise up to be that Christian, to be that person you have called us to be. Thank you, Father, for making your way very clear to us. Thank you that even in difficult times, you are here to guide us. Use these words now. Use this man's life to touch us in a special way. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We often read the letters of Paul and we will get a lot of good truths, but when we get to the end of most letters, we'll just kind of glance over them and just get done and move on to the next. But I want us to slow down a little bit. I want us to just sit for a while and consider what Paul is writing here. He's given us some insight about this man by the name of Tychicus. So who is Tychicus? Let's look and see what Paul tells us. Tychicus is actually mentioned four times in the Bible. First, you find him in Acts chapter 20, in the story of Paul and what's going on there. You also find him mentioned in Ephesians, right here in Colossians. You find him in 2 Timothy and in Titus. His name is mentioned. So five times, actually, he is mentioned throughout the New Testament. So if he's mentioned five times, why don't we pay attention to him? Who is he? Well, Tychicus. Paul says he's a beloved brother. A beloved brother. Now, first and foremost, I want us to pay attention to the word brother. Does that mean that he was was born, that he's part of Paul's family, that they grew up together as brothers? No, that does not. It means that he was a born-again believer He was a follower of Christ first and foremost. He is a beloved brother. Now, that means that they entered into a relationship at some point with the commonality of Jesus Christ in their life. And that brought about a bond between the two of them that made them like brothers. Today, there are brothers and sisters in this room. Why don't you just turn to your brother or sister and say, Good morning, brother. Good morning, sister. Depending on which one they are. Good morning, sister. Good morning, brother. It's so good to have you here. See, in the family of God, when we follow Christ, we become part of a family. So Tychicus isn't just an average Joe guy walking down the street. He's a born-again follower of Christ. He is a believer. He is part of the family. The other word that I find that Paul uses here in verse 7, As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother. The word beloved. That is a term of endearment. There are people in our life that we could say are beloved, right? There are some that's not quite so beloved, but there are some that's very, very beloved. This is the kind of person that you love to spend time with. The kind of person that you hang out together, you work together, you do things together. The kind of person that if at your house you need a tree cut down, they'll come over and cut the tree and then hang out for hamburgers afterwards. This is a beloved brother, someone that just doesn't go to the same church, but someone that is intimately involved in their life. But I want to remind you that this particular letter is written when Paul is under house arrest in Rome. In other words, he cannot go anywhere. He cannot go outside and grill out and have people over. He can't go to the the town market and buy food. He cannot leave his house. There is a Roman soldier that watches him 24 hours a day. So he's in prison. And yet he calls this man... A beloved brother. He is very dear to him. So, as to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother. See, God had a plan for Tychicus when he was a little boy. I can imagine now Tychicus playing in the streets with the dust surrounding his body as he ran. Or as he, he was skipping rocks or, or he had a stick. And he was playing with his friends. And his mom would call out, Tychicus, come and eat. But God had a plan. That one day, He would hear about a man named Jesus Christ. And that He would understand and He would follow Jesus. He would hear the story about how Jesus left heaven and came to earth to take care of the mess that Tychicus was in. That the bad things he had done, the sin that he had committed, that Jesus died on the cross for every one of them. Antikychus was hungry, and he asked Jesus to forgive him and take over his life. He became a follower. He became a brother. And not just a brother, but a beloved brother. So all those things that went on when he was a teenager and when he was a child, those were put behind him. And now he is defined by his salvation, his birth. He's a beloved brother. Look what else he says here, which I find fascinating. As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant. Let me tell you something. Today the word faithful is losing its strength and power because now we're all waiting to see what's better on the menu. If we don't like this one, we'll just go get another one. If we don't like what this place offers, we'll go find a place that offers us what we want. Our faithfulness has turned into our own selfish desires. A faithful servant. Let's talk about servant for a second. A servant is someone who is there thinking about others more than themselves. Someone who is there with their mind set on the benefit of someone else before the benefit of themselves. Remember, Paul is under house arrest and he is in prison. And here is this man Tychicus, and Paul describes him as a faithful servant, not just a friend. You know what that tells us? Tychicus just wasn't by title a Christian, but he was Christian by his actions and his love. The way he treated Paul, he had to show that servant's heart just like Jesus has. So he's a faithful servant. Servant. Beautiful word there that we all need to consider for our own life. The word diakonos is used, it's the same word used for deacon when it says faithful servant. Maybe he was a deacon in the church. But the faithful servant meant that first and foremost, he thought of Paul. Paul's under house arrest. What did Tychicus do for Paul? I don't know. Maybe Tychicus went shopping for him. Maybe Tychicus did a lot of different things. But let me give you this thought. Paul has asked him to carry a letter. And in his hand, think about this, Troy. In his hand and in his pouch, he was carrying the very Word of God that over 2,000 years later, you and I would read and find hope from. Paul entrusted this man. This man was the one to whom he had the original letter to the Colossians that he took care of. Only a faithful servant could be entrusted with such a great responsibility, who had proven themselves faithful. Faithful is someone that, really, when things get tough and things are hard and things aren't comfortable, you know what they do? They stick with it. Whenever things don't make you feel good, you know what a faithful person will do? They'll stick with it. This is not a diss on you if you're in this room, but we are living in a generation where faithfulness, hard work, and perseverance is a thing of the past. If it feels good, they're going to do it. If it don't feel good, they'll just go do something else. The Word of God, to be a follower of Christ, we are called to be faithful. And I'm going to tell you right now, following Jesus is not always easy. Following Jesus, you can be rejected. It can be hard. You'll go through tough times. But to be faithful is to be truly following Christ. Can you imagine if Jesus had responded like many people do today? Jesus would have called the angels down before He had gotten even to the Last Supper. In fact, He would have gotten sick and tired of the disciples and some of the the talk that was going on, and He would have just called down the angels and said, I'm done with all, all you people. But Jesus did not, because He was faithful to the end. He had a vision that went beyond the moment and Himself, and so did Tychicus. When he came to know Jesus, I have a good suspicion his life changed. His purposes changed. Tychicus wasn't off trying to make money. He was ministering to Paul and serving Paul, even in the midst of prison. So Paul calls him a beloved brother. He calls him a faithful servant or minister, as it says in the King James. Someone has said the greatest ability in the world is to be dependable. This man, Tychicus, was dependable. Now, it didn't didn't, uh, depend on his circumstances. He ministered to Paul in the midst of his circumstances. So, what about you? Would somebody, could somebody, let's say in five years, if they sat down with a piece of paper and got a pen and began to write about you, would they say, a beloved brother or sister, a faithful servant, What would they say? Hold on to that because we will come back to that later. The third thing here we can see Paul says, he says, As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant. Now this is a very interesting term. The New American Standard uses bondservant. The ESV, NIV, KJV just uses the word servant and it uses minister earlier. But when it comes to this idea of a bondservant, Paul himself called him his own self a bondservant. What is a bondservant? That is a servant that has absolutely devoted and committed his entire life to the Master. Let me tell you, today is the day to commit your life to the Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And a bondservant did not commit simply when when the times were good and the economy was looking great and there was food on the table. A bondservant was committed no matter what happened. They understood perseverance and dependability. So he's not just a bondservant, but a fellow bondservant. Again, going back to the relationship, talking about how they're connected to Jesus Christ. Does it really matter that he's called this? I think it does. I think it has a lot to do with his character, his integrity, of who he called Lord in his life. He did not simply look in the mirror every day and say, I'm going to make you happy today. He looked in the mirror every day and said, that person I'm looking at is going to make Jesus happy today. You know, too often times we look in the mirror and we are worried about what everybody else is going to think about us and how we're going to make them happy. Whether it be our bosses, or our family, our friends, those who are on Facebook or Twitter or, or Instagram, all these people, we're trying to make them happy and like us. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, let me give you some truth today. When Jesus is your Lord, He doesn't like you. He loves you, loves you even to death to be faithful, that even though you may mess up and do bad things, He's still going to love you anyway. You make Him happy. And you let him deal with everybody else that's unhappy. Tychicus was a man who walked with the character and integrity of Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. As being in control of his life. Now some may say, well, he was a weak man. He, he made a decision. He made a choice. And, and, and he wasn't really fulfilling what he could have truly done. I got news for you. I think he fulfilled everything that he was designed to do. Of all the people in the entire world during that period of time, Tychicus was the one who carried the original letter from Paul to the Colossians. He was the one who stood before the church in Ephesus. He was a man who sweated like you and I. He was a man who had worries and concerns like you and I. But God used him. Why? Because I am... Convinced. He was beloved, faithful, and he was a fellow bondservant. Paul also goes on to to tell us he's something else. Verse 8, For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. You know what's beautiful about this? Tychicus just didn't come up with it on his own and in his mind, I'm just going to go to this church. Paul sent him. As a matter of fact, you'll find in Scripture when you read about Tychicus, Tychicus is a man who is sent. He is going somewhere. He's not going on his own accord, on his own agenda. He is being sent by this man by the name of Paul to go and do things. Paul had to trust him. He had to be faithful. He had to be a fellow bondservant. He had to be a beloved brother. But he was sent. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in this room, everyone watching and listening to this, let me assure you the Word of God has sent you already. What are you doing with it? God Himself has sent you. He has sent you, number one, to be like Jesus Christ, to live like Him as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, as a son, as a student. God has called you to live like Jesus. Today, we must go because we are sent. And He has given us a message to proclaim, and that is there is hope in this world. We look around in our world and we see it getting worse and worse. Things seem to be crumbling around us. It seems like there is no longer any truth. There's no longer any hope. But can I tell you, the hope hasn't changed The truth hasn't moved one bit. The truth is, Jesus left heaven and came to earth for our mess personally. He came to earth knowing that Clyde was going to be a mess, that he was going to mess up. He was going to do some dumb things. And if you think that a pastor doesn't do dumb things, just talk to my wife. (laughs) Or you can talk to my kids. Pastors do dumb things. But even in the midst of dumb things, Jesus forgives. He left heaven knowing I would disappoint Him, but He loved me so much, He still died for me. See, Jesus is the only one who can take care of the issue of sin in our life. Buddha doesn't. Gandhi doesn't. Even Allah does not. All them you have to work to get to. But with Jesus, He came. And Tychicus understood that and it radically changed his life. Because the grace that he received, he poured out on other people around him. Jesus has sent us to do that. How many of us is doing that now? How many of us are so caught up in our own agenda, we forget about those around us? Let that not be the truth what is written about us, but let it be that we are a beloved brother, a faithful servant, a fellow bondservant, and an encourager. An encourager. Let him encourage you. Let him fill you in on everything that's going on with me. Probably because there's so much stuff, Paul couldn't get it all in a letter, but he sent someone who personally could tell them and encourage them to say, Hey, it's going to be okay. Let me tell you what's going on. The world is falling apart, but I want to encourage you, it's going to be okay. It seems like at every turn, there's more trouble, there's more murder, there's more crime. But let me encourage you, it's going to be okay. Why do I know it's going to be okay? Because I know Jesus Christ is still on the throne. I know He is still Lord of all things. And I know what's happening right now is simply fulfilling what's already written in the Word that one day... He is going to return. One day I will be in heaven with him. I won't have to worry about this old world. You know, that is encouraging. Amen. This man went to encourage these people. Paul entrusted Tychicus. Didn't control him, but trusted him to go, send him, do this Tychicus. And see, Tychicus wasn't defined by his past. He was defined by his new birth in Christ. We don't read about what Tychicus was like before he met Jesus. We only see what he was like after he met Jesus. Let me tell you today, doesn't matter what's happened in your past. doesn't matter how bad it is. When Jesus enters your life, it can change everything and you can be defined from that point forward. You can have a testimony that God has changed your life. Because He will do it. You know, many of us in this room today, you have a testimony. Share that with somebody. Tell them how God can change your life. Roger Ellsworth said, Understand that God does not exist to serve us, but rather us to serve God. Let me break it down. God is not your ATM machine. God is not your debit card. God is not your Bitcoin. God is not your your quick Amazon app. God is not there to just go, oh, that's what you need. I'll have it to you by this afternoon. God is there for us to serve Him. And when we do, we find real purpose in life. We find that when people talk about you and I, they will write things like, what a beloved brother or beloved sister, a faithful servant, someone who cared about people, someone who made a difference in my life. You can have that written about you. But you have to take stock of where you are. Whether you are a believer or a non-believer, what would people say about you? One of the things that I noticed about Tychicus here, and I think this is just the real truth I wanted to bring today. I really felt like you needed to hear this. Someone needs to hear this. The choice that Tychicus made, number one, was to follow Jesus Christ. And that changed his life. But even after following Jesus, he had a choice he had to make. And that choice was this. He chose the right way and not just the easy way. He chose the right way and not just the easy way. I'm just going to lay it out there. And I hope somebody can receive this. But your feelings will get you in trouble. Let me say it again. I don't know that everybody heard that or if you even like hearing it, but I'm going to say it again. Your feelings will get you in trouble. And if you only think you are going to do what feels right, you will be getting in trouble. Tychicus was in a situation and a circumstance where he was taking care of a man who was in prison. He could have walked away. He could have said, enough of this. But he chose the right thing to do over the easy thing to do. Our culture wants us to take the easy way out, right? You know who is the prince of this world? It is the devil. And, he, and you know which way he wants you to take? The easy way. He wants you to take the way that feeds your emotions and make you feel good. He wants you to be driven by your feelings. When God wants you to be driven by truth, they are diametrically opposed to each other at times. Not all times, but we have to choose what is right and choose what is truth based on something that is foundationally solid, and that is the Bible. We base our faith on this, these scriptures, this... Word of God, this Bible, this book of hope is where we base our faith. And because of that, it gives us a foundation that we can live into tomorrow. That we can hold our head up and say we have hope. And in doing so, we must live by the truth that it contains. It is not filled with just a bunch of stories, but it's filled with the love of God for you and I. Today, as we look at this, we can see Tychicus is being mentioned by Paul and he's being written about in verse 8. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. Onesimus was a former slave who got saved while Paul was in prison. Onesimus is a man that becomes born again. He's in a mess. Bad circumstances. Bad circumstances. But he is no longer viewed as he once was, but as he actually is. And that was a servant of God, a beloved brother, a born-again faithful member who is one of your number, saying that Onesimus is part of your church family. They will inform you about the whole situation here. Onesimus was a runaway. He could have died going back home. He could have been killed. He could have been put in prison. He could have done a lot of things. But Onesimus chose to do the right thing over the thing that was easy and felt good. Can you imagine Onesimus walking all that way back with Tychicus? Could it be that Tychicus was right there with Onesimus to say, Brother, it's going to be okay? I know you're worried. Because there are days when we wake up and we have hope, right? Let's get real. There are days we wake up and we got a smile on our face. And then we'll wake up the next day and it's like, oh, I just can't go no more. Anybody ever been there? I have. And then you have somebody come alongside you and go, it's going to be okay. Hang in there. God's with you. He's going to help you through this. That is what's probably going on here. But Onesimus could have done the easy thing and continued to be a runaway. But he decided to do the right thing and go back and make things right. So here's a truth from God's Word that we can learn from those who are following Christ in the very first century of the church existing. Choose the right thing over the easy thing. Choose what God has said over what culture is putting out there as okay and normal. Choose God's Word because that which is built on the culture will change as soon as the culture changes. It's like sand, building your house on sand, and it begins to just fall away. Culture is ever-shifting. If you want a good illustration, have a conversation with some of those in the room who have gray hair, who are more experienced than some of the others. Talk to them about when they were your age. Ask them, so what was it like when you were uh, my age? What was going on? What was it like to go to church? What was it like in school? Find out that the culture they grew up in completely changed. And now the culture that you're growing up in now, young young ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, when you grow just 10 years from now, it's going to be different. The culture is ever-changing, but God's Word is ever the same. It is concrete. It is solid. And to base your choices in your life on what God's Word says will give you a foundation that will give you hope and security. There's things that have not changed, like the cross and the grave and Him raising from the dead. But I do know that Jesus is the only way. So when we look at this, we have to keep our minds set on the things above and on God's kingdom. What if God said to you one day, you know that thing you keep holding on to? What if I told you that you have to let go of that thing? What if God was to tell you that? What would be that thing that you're holding on to so tightly that it would cause you to pause. If you're holding on something that doesn't begin with the, with the letter J and end with "esus," then you probably need to let it go anyway. It's not going to be your bank account that's going to make a difference. I've never been to a funeral where they touted the richness of some man that died. You want to know Why? Because he didn't take a penny of it with him. You know what usually happens when there's a rich man that has passed away? His children and his relatives are fighting in the pews. Not speaking to each other. They're upset and angry about the wheel. It has nothing to do with the man in the casket. It has to do with what they want. That's our culture. That's what the enemy wants us to do. But it's not about the legacy and the idea that we're rich that we had power, but it needs to be about those things that truly make a difference. Things like being a beloved brother, a faithful servant, a fellow bond servant, and an encourager. So I'll ask you again, what kind of things, if someone was to sit down and write about you in five years from now, what would they write? He was a man that worked all the time and hardly ever saw his kids. She was a woman that seemed to just spend time with her friends and never spoke with her husband? What would they write? I mean, if they were gut-wrenching honest, what would they say about you? So what must we do with this? I think we need to take a real good honest look on what the Scripture says about Tychicus and let's look in the mirror and see how it compares with us. But the first thing I want you to do is I want you to cultivate perseverance. Why? Because you may not like what you find. If you begin to think about what people may say about you, are they going to say things like, well, this person was all about conflict. This person had to always be right. She had to always have the last word. Or would it be, She was filled with grace. She was beloved by many. Whether you know Jesus or whether you don't, there is a choice in how you treat other people. Just because you come to faith in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect in how you treat people. You're going to encounter Christians who are just, let's just be honest, they're real buds. I mean, I've been around some Christians that I go, ooh, you are just, ugh. Man, you make Jesus look ugly. But then I've been around Christians that go, Wow, you make Jesus look so beautiful. Just because you know Christ doesn't mean you're automatically going to act this way. We have to make a choice to cultivate the perseverance to do what is right over what feels good. So my call to you today and to this generation is don't settle for just what might work. Settle for what is right. Go above and beyond. Work hard. Do what God has called us to do as individuals and be, and God will bless you for that. You may be persecuted, but God's going to bless you. So we must cultivate perseverance. Verse 9, we can see that... And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of our, your number, will, they will inform you about the whole situation here. There is perseverance taking place on the, the effort of Paul, Tychicus, and Onesimus. And the last thing is this. Choose to live by faith. Choose to live by faith. Not by the culture, not by pleasing people, not by making other people happy or looking good or having more likes than everybody else or or more views or or, uh, people really complimenting your clothes. Don't live for that. Live by faith in the Son of God who has come to rescue you and share that with other people. Be confident that when you look in the mirror, you are made by God, fearfully and wonderfully made. And you walk by faith in that. And you don't worry about what some, some half-witted boy calls you or says to you. Mark him off your list if he don't treat you like a princess, girls. He ain't worth your time. Let God deal with him and wait for that guy who comes along who, who, who will treat you like you are a princess, who will come to her dad and say, Can I, can I ask you, your daughter out on a date? That's a prince right there. That's a prince of God that I'm proud is dating my daughter because he cares and respects. He's different than this world is claiming to be. Let me tell you, boys and girls, you don't have to stoop to the level of everybody else to try to win their approval. God has already approved you as a prince and a princess. Live like it. Walk in that faith with your head up high knowing That regardless of what people say, your God loves you even to the point of dying for you. So today, your seven-day challenge is going to be this. It's going to be a little challenging for some of you, but I believe it will challenge all of us at some level. If you will do this, hopefully some of you will rejoice in what happens and some of you are going to find yourself... Struggling. Here's the seven day challenge. You can write this down. I will read it real slow. Write down what you would want someone else to say about you or write about you. Write down what you would want someone to write about you in five years. Just take a moment. It'll take you five minutes. Think about it going down the road while you're working or whatever. And then just take some time. I'm telling you, if you will write it down, the pen and paper is the crowbar to the mind. You write it down, you're going to think about it and you're going to have more responses from it. Write down what you would want somebody to write about you in five years. And then ask yourself what needs to change for that to be true. Tychicus was living a life that when Paul wrote about him, Tychicus is dead, Paul said, Man, Tychicus, beloved brother, faithful servant, fellow bondservant, an encourager, one who will tell you exactly what needs to be done, someone I can depend upon. He lived that life. What life are you living? Today, I want you to know that Tychicus' life wasn't simply defined by the character choices he made, but the relationship he had with Jesus. That's what made a difference in his life, that he was a fellow bond servant, not just that he served people, but that he had joined himself with Jesus and was called a brother. So today, if you know Jesus Christ, you can be called a brother or sister if you have not made that decision. You're not part of God's family yet, but you can be. By asking God to forgive you and take over your life. It is that simple. It is not, that, not any more complicated than that. God did all the work. He did every bit of the work. We don't have to be good enough or dress up. We don't have to wear certain clothes. We don't have to fix up. We don't have to get our hair right or our jeans right. We just have to get our hearts right before God, which simply means, God, forgive me and take over my life. I've messed up. I turn my life over to you. It is just that simple. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can have hope. Don't have to live in this drudgery of this world anymore. So right now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, let's go to the Word, Lord in prayer. Let's pray to Him. Let's let God do a work in us right now. Father, as we approach Your throne... We can call on your name because of a thing called grace. Thank you, Father, for the grace that Jesus Christ brought when he died on the cross. And Lord, for a man by the name of Tychicus that so many have just read over his name and read a few words and kept going. But a man who proved himself faithful to you by serving other people. Faithful to his, his Lord by being there for Paul and carrying the very Scriptures, reading the very original letter that Paul wrote. Wow, I cannot imagine. He had no idea at that moment what he held in his hand and the role he was playing. Lord, today each and every person that's in this room watching at home, those who are listening to this, Father, they all have a role to play in making a difference because you have sent them. You have said, go and make disciples. Go and bring hope. Go and share the truth of Christ. Lord, may we take that serious. May we go because you've sent us. May what people write about us in five years be that which brings you glory and not ourselves. Let it not be simply about how good we are, but how great you are. How great you are, our God. Lord, right now, if there's someone here who has not accepted you, Lord, it's not going to be my words to persuade them. It is going to be your Holy Spirit that will convict their heart and their mind to make a decision and ask you to take over their life And to forgive them. So, Lord, right now I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and that they'll just ask right now with their head bowed and their eyes closed Dear Father, forgive me and take over my life. I believe. I believe.